1: You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I am Anthony Irwin. I am joined by Harrison Fagan. In a second, we're going to be joined by David Locke of the Locked On NBA and Locked On Jazz shows. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Harrison, you, you're finally—look, I just want to clear the air and make sure everybody, everybody understands we're on the same page here. Uh, you've missed a, a few interviews here and there. You've been busy with finals and with silver screen and roll stuff. And I've been kind of carrying a load, but I'll just let bygones be bygones. And uh, you are definitely, definitely gonna talk to David Locke, our our boss. Are you excited about that?
1: I'm really excited, but I also I I'm mo- almost just as excited that you are willing to forgive me editing the podcast that I wasn't on anyway.
2: Uh, absolutely, yeah. I'm I'm just taking the higher road here. I'm I'm being yeah, you the bigger man.
1: You're truly a saint. <laughs> I mean, I do have. Anyway, with, where can but... people find the show?
2: <laughs> show can be found at Audio Boom, <laughs> iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Today's show is brought to you by Mac Weldon. Uh, Mac Weldon is better than what you're wearing right now. That's I can feel f- fully comfortable saying that because I'm really comfortable right now, physically comfortable wearing Mac Weldon stuff.
1: So. I... I wear it all the time. It is the most comfortable underwear I own. We'll talk about that in a second. But I did want to – oh, make sure you're using the promo code LOLakers on
2: uh, MacWeldon.com to get you 20% discount. But I want to really, really quickly before we, we, you and me, you and I talk to David together for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to talk really quickly about something that kind of annoyed me over the weekend I don't know if you saw it as much on, on your end, but my timeline and my mentions, I, they people were reacting as if the Lakers got blown out, you know, to you know by the Sixers or something like that uh, when they lost their fourth game in five nights while missing two starters, kind of two, kind of sort of two and a half starters uh, because D'Angelo Russell's replacement was out, and
1: it still came down to the very last possession. So I I did not get to see this game, but based on the stats and the updates that I saw, it, I mean it sounded like the Lakers did pretty like they acquitted themselves pretty well considering it was their fourth game in five nights. But you're telling me that there was some funny business on Lakers Twitter? There was quite a bit of funny business, and I didn't find it very funny.
2: Okay, uh, it was it was more business than funny. But we, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I, I basically. My thing is – I'm going to try to be careful with how I phrase this because people are fans and fans is sort for fanatics. But our expectations, are fans' expectations getting away with them this, this Lakers season because I honestly think they, they kind of sort of are because of the success
1: that the Lakers have had. I, I do think that we're kind of getting to that point because – and I, I think – To his credit, I think Luke Walton realized that because he was even talking about after the game. uh, This is his quote uh, that he said. He said, we're a young team with injuries, and it's more important that we focus on the fact that on the fourth game in Five Nights, our guys showed up and competed our tails off. Instead of focusing on the disappointment of a loss, I want to focus on the positiveness of the way that we got after it. So Luke gets it. But you're telling me that people were a little bit upset, like they thought the Lakers didn't play hard enough or whatever? Yeah, I, I saw a few tweets uh, from
2: people saying, you know, pathetic effort, bad effort, effort this, effort that, whatever. Look, man, I want anybody to go out there and just go jogging four days in a row or four days out of, four out of five days. Like just Don't so tell y- me to
1: exercise.
2: <laughs> but I'm saying, like Pete, just go out there and every time you, you jog – I want you, you know, or or do whatever in four days, four days and five nights. Every time you go out there and jog, the next jog has to get longer and you have to run harder than the previous jog. And then see how you feel after that fourth one or heading into the fourth one. And I guarantee you, nobody's going to feel really good about that next jog knowing that you have one coming up uh, that is going to be the toughest. That is going to be the ugliest situation, the least op, the least, uh, the best looking. Jeez, I'm going to figure out a way to say this. The least likely scenario in which you're going to find any kind of success, and yeah, that's just it's not going to go well for you. And the Lakers, like Luke said, they were in it. They had three shots. D'Angelo Russell or, or uh, Julius Randle missed three free throws. They still got a rebound, got the kick out to Clarkson. He still got a shot off, and it was an air ball. But you just see, like, there was no die whatsoever in this Lakers team, and that's really all you can ask for at this point. When, again, there should not have been any expectations of of any kind of, you know, must-win or any kind of situation like that from the get-go this year. I didn't understand what was going on.
1: Yeah, I, I just know I don't want to jog, but so you kinda lost me on that analogy just because I was so focused on not jogging. <laughs> but no, I mean there sh- there aren't must win games for the Lakers this year. There's zero- there's no such thing as a must win game for the Lakers this year. Every single win that they get above seventeen, which it looks like pretty clear that they're going to clear that. Yeah, it's a-, a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they didn't win like, – they they've won, what, 10 games so far this year? Yep. I really should know this. I host the Lakers podcast. Yes, but, yes, they've won 10, 10 qual- games so far this year. They didn't win 10 games last year until, like, February.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it is like it if, is it, if I did
1: not know – like, if I had not looked it up earlier that the Lakers won 17 games last year, you could have convinced me they won 10 games last year. Like, I, I probably would have believed it. That season was awful. Yeah. And so, you know – there, there's no such thing as a must-win game for this team. Yeah. And, like, I had somebody
2: uh, – somebody made a good point, and this is something I'm going to focus on uh, from now on with the shows. But he said – or I think it was a he – but he said, basically, you know, do you guys notice a, a downtick in interest after Lakers' losses than after Lakers' wins? And it's like, yes, obviously. There are a bunch of factors that go into it. But, yeah, people are going to be more interested in listening to something where people talk about something that they liked watching. Than something that they didn't enjoy the the result of so yes that's going on and we'll also try to focus on being more positive after such losses to keep everybody uh, keep everybody on in, in the a state of mind that they should be with this Lakers team because it's a it's still a fun team like that that loss in Memphis doesn't change how fun
1: the season has been at all. No, not at all. And, and I mean that—that's a schedule loss. I think ESPN, due to with their schedule metrics, ranked that as the second most likely loss of any team this for any team this season. And it
2: came down to the very last possession. They lost
1: by three. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You, uh, I mean, in in when and, so just just so just so people know, in given that metric or given what what's going on there, in that situation, most teams are saying. Honestly, I just hope we keep it within, di- you know, single
1: digits. Yeah, like, let's just, everybody, uh, one, two, three, stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And still, Larry Nance Jr. walked away a little gimpy, so. Well, Larry Nance Jr. didn't play in that game, but. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he, he, you're thinking of Toronto. Oh, it was yeah. a long road trip for all of us. Exactly. It was a long road trip See? for fourth, all of
2: us. Fourth fourth recap in five days. Yeah, fourth, fourth
1: game watch. Take a toll on a blogger's brain, but so yeah. that's that's real. Especially this blogger. All right,
2: uh, so that was that was our little our little bit on on the Memphis stuff. Stay positive, Lakers fans. It's it's still a fun season. It's still a fun It'll team. Okay, guys. Yeah, and and by the time you guys are listening to this, the Lakers play again tonight against a team without. I don't. I think uh, I think George Hill isn't going to play, which is which is really good for the Lakers, because he kind of sort of smoked D'Angelo Russell last he's, time. He's
1: kind of uh, awesome.
2: Speaking of D'Angelo Russell. A uh, major update could be coming by the time everybody is listening to this. And if it is big news, uh, we I promise I will either jump on Facebook Live or we'll we'll just record a, a really, really short podcast. We'll figure something out if we get big news about D'Angelo Russell. But, Harrison, I'll let you take it from there.
1: You did not tell me that I was going to take anything from anywhere. But, yeah, the Lakers are going to do – D'Angelo Russell is going to see a doctor tomorrow, and the the Lakers are going to figure out – if he's going to be cleared to play in Monday's game, if he's going to be cleared to play this week. They're going we're going maybe by the time that you're listening to this, but maybe not. It might be a couple hours from then if you download this Monday morning. But we will know something Monday as far as D'Angelo Russell's health. We will have some type of update on Monday. And that in and of itself is good news. Just that we're gonna get a little bit more uh you know, we're gonna get a little bit more information on him and what his exact knee situation is.
2: Yep. So that'll be that'll be great to see. It'd be great to have the Lakers back healthy again. That's the yeah. That's I the... mean,
1: I, I I think the last time uh, I had a hot take, it was that the Lakers were better without D'Angelo Russell. I think, you know, I'm willing to say that one was proved wrong. Um, <laughs> even though they're satirical, but yeah, I mean, I know you guys. Uh, I've had some people ask about those. We're gonna bring that back tomorrow. I promise. Uh, I have an X ex- on Tuesday show. That the, the, the prospect of your hot take was so
2: hot that you kind of sort of cut out there when you said that you have another one coming tomorrow. So yes, Tuesday's show, we are going to have Harrison's hot take. Really quickly before we bring David in here, I want to talk to everybody about Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon, again, it's better than what you're wearing right now. They believe in smart design, premium fa- fabrics, and, and simple shopping. The, the online experience
1: of shopping at Mack Weldon is, is really, really good. It was uh, like unbelievably simple. I, I, the thing that I hate the most about online shopping is setting up an account, and they made it super easy. I, I was registered like, you know, I'm not going to snap on into my mic because that's like bad radio, but it was like a snap. I was, it was really easy. I, I was. I feel I was like
2: with... I feel like it was worse radio that you described a snap instead of just snapping.
1: You know, man, we're not. It's not like we're pros at this, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean their stuff is great. It's really comfortable. You can order it really easily, and it's just you know it's the fa- it's my favorite underwear that I own, and I'm not just saying that. Absolutely, and they have confidence in their product. They they want
2: you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep that pair, and they'll refund
1: you, no problem whatsoever, no questions asked. So that's and that's great to know. I'm willing to absolutely guarantee that you will like that pair. Yes absolutely so
2: make sure you go to dot use the promo code lolakers to get 20 percent off it's the holidays
1: it's a it makes like, a great gift yes
2: an incredible gift Send i mean i'm not gonna,
1: anthony i'm you know if you want to get me a gift this year i don't know i don't know the holidays are coming up if you're planning on getting me something i, I wouldn't mind some mac weldon stuff
2: uh your gift i believe is being able to talk to david here in a, sh- in,
1: in a second Okay, uh you know, I'll se- I'll settle for that. That's like a close second behind Mac Weldon. All right, so let's go ahead and bring David in here. Uh again, macweldon.com user
2: promo code LOLAKERS. Uh fun conversation to come, I would imagine with David. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to just having Harrison just just be able to talk to
1: another human being. Yeah, man. I mi- I miss it. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
2: All right, so here's David Locke of Locked On NBA and Locked On Jazz. He's uh, he's the pod father. He's the the guy who who got all the talent together. He's he's put together this network, and it's been really fun to be a part of the network. He is also the voice, uh, the play by play voice of the Jazz Lakers. Play the Jazz. By the time you guys are listening to this tonight, uh, David, how's it going?
3: Good. Glad to be in LA. I skied uh, speaking on Sunday. I skied. Sunday morning in Utah and walk the beach Sunday afternoon in L.A. So it's, it's not so bad. It was a perfect day today. <laughs> it's 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 the day. It's the reason why uh, people love Los Angeles. Uh, <laughs> I went to college here. Actually, I went to Occidental College, started my career here. Um, so I know it well. Um yeah but it's uh, th- this is these are the days that make this place special
2: it, it was kind of funny we we're watching football in there the Green Bay games in the snow and the, the bear game is, is in the is in the sleet in the snow and I'm sitting here in tank top board shorts and <laughs> just kind of watching while uh, with 75 degree weather outside so I, I can't complain about that uh, what, we, one thing we Definitely can't complain about is the the Lakers' season so far, and the Jazz' season has been has been pretty fun to watch as well. George Hill is has been a revelation.
3: Well, I think George Hill's been really really good his whole career. I just think people didn't know it, and maybe Indiana didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pairing him with Monte Ellis was close to basketball insanity, uh, and you know, and since they've paid the price for it, so uh, I, I you know the problem is keeping him healthy. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to play on. Uh, tonight, uh, there's a chance, but I, I'd be surprised. And uh, it's, you know, quite frankly, it's it's just been really disappointing for the Jazz to have these incredible talent and these incredible, you know, depth of roster that has Jazz fans as excited as they've been in, you know, probably since those teams that played Pau Gasol and Kobe Bryant and all those mm-hmm. matchups and not be able to uh, have any success you know seeing all of them on the floor at the same time
2: yeah he gave he gave d'angelo russell fits when oh. the jazz I mean, an o, and the Lakers. an 0 for earlier.
3: 7 fourth quarter jumps out <laughs> to you like that anthony
2: it, it kind of reminded me of an old kobe bryant fourth quarter <laughs> way back in the day well
3: you can only hope right
2: <laughs> but yeah it's i i have been kind of watching i'm an nba nut so i've been kind of watching the jazz from far, and it's such a fun young group because you have you have so many guys who are who seem to be on the precipice of really making that leap forward. And uh and yeah, it's just been kind of it's been too bad. Every night it's you know, somebody new is on the is on the uh, injured list. The Lakers have been like that recently as well. D'Angelo Russell won't play tomorrow. Uh they're saying Jose Calderon, his replacement won't won't play tomorrow. So so are you ready for the uh, heaping helping of Marcelo
3: Huertas? Well, you know, there's a really funny story between Huertas and the Jazz, Joe Ingles. Mm-hmm. So they're they're best friends. Uh-huh. Um, moreover, when they both played for FC Barcelona, uh, Joe's been very open that trying to explain to uh, kind of Americans what FC Barcelona means is his basic point was it's as though you're a baseball player and the Yankees asked to sign you. Yeah, you have to go play for him if they ask. He said it was also the worst years of his career because they can just sign anyone, and so then he ended up not playing. And he said he was, you know, not, you know, I don't think clinically, but was professionally depressed and as low as he ever was, probably in his life. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, Huertas that got him through that. That was the friend that he talked to that kind of kept him motivated and kept him going. So they're very, they're very, very close. It's a an interesting story of two guys in Europe who then one Australian. Um, where to Brazilian, right? Yep. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, ending up in at FC Barcelona together and then making their way to the NBA.
2: It's, it's kind of funny. He's such a great dude. And, and it's tough. He's he's kind of I, I'm, I'm analogized it like this the other night. Ryan Kelly or Robert Sacre were guys that nobody should have really expected anything from. So when you're kind of when you find yourself kind of poking and prodding Ryan Kelly and Robert Sacre, it's like, well, what are you doing? What, what are you hoping to expect, you know, from these guys? And, and Marcelo Huertas is kind of that guy on this roster where he comes in and you shouldn't expect anything from the guy, but he just continually makes these plays. Like, what, what Marcelo? Come on, man! You know, <laughs> you know, he, he'll shoot these runners and he's not very athletic, so he can't stay in front of really anybody. Um, and I kind of feel bad, you know, poking. You know, I, I have to be honest when I watch somebody play basketball. And uh one of my buddies who writes for Mavs Moneyball, his name's Kirk Henderson. He actually went to high school with Marcelo Huertas out there in out there in Texas. So every time I say something like, Marcelo, come on. Oh, Marcelo, don't do that. You know, and, and I'll get an I'll get a message or I'll get a text or something from Kirk and he'll say, Leave my boy because he is that he is that nice of a dude and and even when he's when he's struggling out there, he's always the first guy to to make sure everybody on the team is in a good mood. So it makes sense. The story you just said just plays right into the kind of guy that Marcelo Huertas happens to be. Um, I was gonna ask the Dante Exum thing. He, for some reason, I I kind of noticed offhand and on Twitter that he's been in and
3: out of the lineup. What's what's been going on there? I think this is what happens when you become a uh, a good basketball team. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at so I I think. We'll see. I think the Rockets are pretty good too. That was a heck of a week they just had. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I I think the Jazz are the fourth or fifth best team in the Western Conference. And if you go look around at the fourth or fifth best teams in either conference, how many of them are playing young guys? I know fans love young guys, but Mm -hmm. right, like Golden State's playing Mm McCaw. Okay, that's a nice luxury when you have a bunch of MVPs floating around. The Clippers are not playing a single young guy. No. The Spurs impressively are playing Bratance and a little Kyle Anderson who's now in his fourth year. Um, Houston's playing Sam Decker a little bit. The Jazz are playing you know, so what ends up happening when you get good is those courtesy minutes that you get just because you're a young prospect that's developing what everybody thought Byron Scott should have given D'Angelo Russell last year. Mm -hmm. And he at times didn't give them for no really good apparent reason. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so illogically didn't give them. Uh, That's where Dante is right now. You know, when Shelvin Mack, by being six years in the league and a four-year college player and has some skill sets that if you're asking him to be a backup point guard – is probably a better backup point guard on a Tuesday in December than Shelvin, Ma- than Dante Exum is right now. Makes sense. Now, does that make sense? Does that mean he's going to be a better point guard than Dante Exum six years from now Tuesday? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Does it mean anyone's given up on Dante? Absolutely not. But this team is now good, and so this is a second-year NBA player who played courtesy minutes, really. I mean, he right? He, he mm-hmm. played because there wasn't anybody else who was any good, and he's still got huge growing pains to what he does, and so, therefore, uh, his minutes are down. And he played better the other night. He was horrendous two nights before, and that might be the best way to sum it up, right? So t- two nights ago, he was awful mm-hmm. against Miami, and then he was pretty good the other night, and that's what young players do, but if you're trying to win you can't have young players do that
2: right the, the it's pretty tough to carry somebody who is who's playing horrendous when you have when you have somebody who, who can step in and not be horrendous he won't he might not be great but he won't be horrendous so you don't you don't see a scenario then cuz i have laker fans you know always asking who are guys that the lakers could target in a trade the the transaction has replaced the actual action in terms of what makes people click on things on the internet uh, there's no scenario in which Dante Exum is finds his way into the trade block, is there?
3: I don't see it. I can't imagine why. Um, They'd be selling low. Yeah, I can't imagine why we would do it. Uh, it's, it's an inexpensive contract. Um, you know, I mean, the guy tore his ACL last year. I mean, I've talked to Ricky Rubio and Danilo Gallinari and all of these guys about what, what it's like to come back from that. It's hard. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's just a lot going on. There's a guy who's played once in three years. Remember they shut him down for this final he never played that freshman year of college. They shut him down. Rob Pelinka's agent did a nice job and had him working out and uh and working with teams instead of, you know, playing at North Carolina or someplace like that. And so he's just incredibly inexperienced at times. Uh I I think he'll be fine. He's gonna have to shoot better. Right now he's his shots Marcus Smartish, and that's not n b a yeah
2: that's not that's that's a terrifying sentence to hear he's Marcus Smartest shot the in the other thing that laker fans i think by the should way also...
3: that, that by the way note to everybody that draft is be, which was like this highly talked about mm-hmm. unbelievable twenty fourteen n b a draft um is not yeah. actually
2: twenty fifteen's much stronger right. The 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 reason I also I also you know tell Laker fans to pump the brakes is based on everything that you said. If Exum is moved, it would be for an impact kind of guy, right? It wouldn't be for you know a draft pick here or a, another bilo candidate there. He would, I would imagine, be part of a package to bring in a a higher impact kind of guy, and the Lakers just don't have that on their roster unless. You know they—they they are the world's greatest salesman, and you can convince somebody that Luol Deng isn't, in fact, a—a a zombie.
3: Yeah, no, we just want Timothy Mozgov's contract, please.
2: <laughs> He's been good. The—the the, it was funny heading into the after the off season. We—you we, know I was freaking out about the Mozgov signing. Uh, the timing of the Mozgov signing was really interesting. That was the first call they made at midnight. I didn't even think that Luol Deng's contract would be would be abysmal at this bad and we're in the you know we're only a month into this first uh, year of a 4-year $72 million deal and he has not been good. You know, Brandon Ingram isn't ready to start in the NBA. He's not ready physically to start in the NBA, but he might have to because Luol Deng just, you know, he'll, I think at some point he'll get shut down because he doesn't look healthy at all. That hasn't been great to see. And uh, on the other side, with with the Jazz, you kind of have Gordon Hayward, who's been he he got, he broke his hand, right? Do I have that right? Broke his finger. Broke his finger. He's now back, and and uh, I I heard somebody say it on Twitter. I forget who it was, and and I, I liked how they put it. They said Gordon Hayward is the Jazz's best player, but so far this year, George Hill has been their most important guy. Is that is that a fair summation of the relationship there, talent wise? Oh,
3: only maybe because of the fact that. Uh, the alternatives to George Hill in the last few years have been Howell Neto and Trey Burke.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And so to see this team play with a point guard has been uh, awesome and really a game changer. But, you know, Gordon scored 33 games in a row here. Yeah. Here here are the other players in the NBA that have scored 33 games in a row this year. Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, James Harden Anthony Davis DeMarcus Cousins Steph Curry <laughs> that's not a bad that's, class to be in that's it yeah no. uh, and, and so Gordon is and he scored 20 or more in 7 straight which is the longest stretch of his career he's a completely different player than he was last year 2 years ago 3 years I mean he's he's a he's a totally different player right now and Um, if you kind of, I can't get into specifics here, this would be kind of knowledge, but he starts the year, scores 20 and five straight. Something takes place. He has three bad games. He's now scored 20 and seven straight. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's getting into some rarefied air and he, it only until recently has been shooting the ball well. So eye opening early in the year that he was scoring 20 while not shooting well he's in a contract year, right? He has a
2: player option. this oh, year. Oh yeah. So that makes, that makes things interesting out there in Utah, right? There's no chance he's not, he, he doesn't get, you know, signed to the max extension, right? Or to the, to,
3: to I would think, in, I would think in this landscape when there's only, you know, there's only eight players in the NBA that take three, uh, take five threes a game and go to the free throw line five times. Mm-hmm. There's only five, six players in the league that average the collection of numbers that Gordon has. Some of them are much larger than Gordon, but you know Gordon at 22 points and I think six or seven rebounds and four assists. I mean, you're talking Russell and James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I mean there just aren't guys that do this. And yeah. um, so I, I would, I can't imagine him taking anything other than the max.
2: Yeah. I Laker fans have kind of eyed eyed him all year, and I, I'm as guilty of it as well. But I just but you don't, don't have any it. money. Well, right, and I just don't see a situation where Utah doesn't just give him all the money. They can they can offer him more than other teams can, and and he's such a big piece of what they've done so far. They're finally turning the finally turning the corner here to where they're going to be a perennial playoff contender. You have to keep a guy like Gordon Hayward around.
3: Uh, I would hope so. I enjoy him immensely as a person. Uh, it's been a real highlight of my career to watch him develop and grow up. It's a it's a, you know, real luxury that I have in my job to get to know these people and these players as humans and to see him come from the 20-year-old kid that got to us to now married father of two has been an incredible pleasure.
2: That's great to hear. It's funny, people don't really think of the relationship that, you know, a play-by-play guy cuz how long have you been there with the Jazz now?
3: You know what, I'm I actually don't I could be wrong. I think this is year seven or year eight. I was thinking it was seven. So, yes, it, people
2: don't really realize about you know the, the relationship, the human element of of working with a team as long as you have, and uh, and watching yeah kids grow up into men. Uh, before the the season started, you were not as high on D'Angelo Russell. Now he's been hurt the last couple of weeks, and he hasn't put up the counting stats that I think people really anticipated. But he has been a pretty big part of what the Lakers
3: have done this year. are you Are you still down on on D'Angelo? I actually would say locked on Lakers gave me kind of a perspective on him that I may not have had myself. Um, you know I, I didn't I didn't love his I, so actually let me kind of walk through this.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I did love him out of college. okay so that vision. Uh, that he has on the floor is elite yeah and uh really is special so out of college i was i was a big fan of his coming out of the draft i mean i i really thought he was a game-changing passer passing still the most underrated skill in the game um i was disappointed watching him in the first year and you know there probably could not be Uh, You know, I I get a little nervous when everybody does this with Sacramento. Oh, there can't be a worse place for a rookie. (laughs) And yet, you know what? None of those rookies have actually left, gone anywhere else, and been any good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe Nick Stoskis this year is finally doing it, but Jimmer was never any good. So sometimes, you know what? If you're really that good, you overcome your situation. So I'm a little reluctant to just give him a pass. But I would say that I do think last year, um, I know this, you know, people are kind of finally coming to grips with what an incredibly negative influence Kobe was on all these players. Um, and byron scott and so but there were just things i didn't love about him uh he just very rarely got to the line um the shot selection got better as the year went on i I, just seeing him i was i think what happened is i was surprised that the skills that i thought were going to be what make him a special nba player i didn't see his rookie year And, and I, this is a long way to get to it, so my apologies, Anthony <laughs> no um, and Harrison, of course. Um, but the I don't mind, young players fail all the time. Like I don't have a problem that Chris Dunn is failing or Buddy Heald is failing. I haven't watched Buddy Heald a great deal, but if I suddenly watch Buddy Heald and he can't get a shot window at all, then I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a sec. His primary skill is he's going to be able to shoot, and he can't get a shot window. Now I'm concerned, and I mm-hmm. haven't watched enough this year to know that. That's what I felt a bit about D'Angelo was, wait a sec, I don't mind that he's struggling with some of these things, but the one thing I thought he'd be great at, he's not doing. Mm-hmm. And so that worried me. Now, I would say since then, a little bit tipped off to you guys, watching him at the beginning of this year, uh, I thought he's looked better. And I, I'm more encouraged uh, as who he is as a player uh, now than I probably was at the end of last year. He, It's funny. He's simultaneously
2: not producing how people thought, but the team has played so much better than people thought that it's kind of been okay. And a big reason why he hasn't been as good as people maybe anticipated has been because everybody thought he was going to be the Steph Curry of the Lakers, right? With Bill Wal- or with Luke Walton coming over from, from Golden State, people just thought like, yeah, the ball is always going to be in D'Angelo Russell's hands. He's always going to be running off of the pick and roll. He's always going to be making these decisions uh, that lead to scoring with the Lakers. And that hasn't been the case. Luke has in, instead implemented a, a broader system that features multiple ball handlers at all, at all times. It's pretty rare that the Lakers are have a lineup out there that with only one primary ball handler. If it's Lou Williams out there, he's out there with Jordan Clarkson, who also likes to handle the ball, and then they're also usually accompanied by Brandon Ingram, who's brought the ball up the court every so often. And with D'Angelo Russell, he's played almost all of his minutes with the with uh, Julius Randle, and Randle has been handling the ball a whole bunch. So the counting stats aren't there. Still, the people still kind of worry about his assist numbers, but. In I don't think of... any. Of, I don't think any of those things where people should worry about with him. Oh no, I I agree. I mean, counting stats uh, are kind of antiquated in itself.
3: If if I'm concerned about D'Angelo Russell coming out of uh, coming out of the in college, Ohio State, it, the only concern I had is is he athletically s- explosive enough for an MB- to be an NBA mm-hmm. scorer. Um, and I think that's still a fair question. I mean, oh, his yeah. he's fifty percent at the rim this year. I mean, it's only twelve out of twenty four, but that's not good. Yeah. Um. And so now he learned that floater, which I really liked earlier in the year. And I don't know how successful he's been at that throughout the year. And I do recall him a big floor guy. I do recall he's incredibly tilted to the left side of the floor. Hmm. Uh, and so you know, th- but that doesn't worry me. That that's something where he'll he'll learn how to play both sides of the floor and figure the game out a little bit. Um, But I do recall him being incredibly tilted to the left side of the floor. So if you can keep him to the right side of the floor, he's really uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, oh, it's kind of funny because, yes, he does like to have the ball in his left hand, but I'm left-handed. I always prefer operating from the right side of the floor so that my left hand would take me to the middle of the defense. Right, and... but
3: D'Angelo doesn't have your crossover.
2: <laughs> it's the euro step the euro step is oh. what everybody's talking about uh have, you haven't Actually, happened to see that clip, it, have when you do when
3: you do it we call it the sleepy step
2: yeah it's the, it's called the euro stumble like it it has its own hashtag <laughs> there's a video there may or may not be a video that's made its way around the internet of of me doing a euro step and missing a layup uh, we don't have to we don't have to talk about that very much longer the who's the guy then on the lakers i'm i'm always interested to hear this Who's the guy then on the Lakers when you watch the team who you say, okay, yes, they can build a roster around this guy? Or is there a couple guys who you say, are, would you be comfortable calling the Lakers a playoff team with this course so long as they continue to push, you know, so long as they continue to develop?
3: I don't know if I if I have that guy right now. Um, I mean, I guess it has to be D'Angelo, unless you're going to tell me you think it's Julius Randle, and I'd like a larger sample size to believe what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. um With him, though, wow, super impressive and, and, you know, great work. I I, I love this about Luke Walt. And this is truly what I love about the Warriors, too. I think gets talked about not enough. They allow players to be great at what they're great at. Absolutely. And so if you actually look at the Warriors last year, you know, Andre Udala got criticized his entire career for not being good enough being a number one guy, right? Like Mm -hmm. they they let him just. Mo Spates is a horrendous gunner. That's hard to watch, <laughs> and they just like let him be. Don't right? let like, Don't Memphis.
2: let Zach Harper hear you talk about Mo Spates like that, because he. Uh,
3: yes, he's... Zach Harper and I do this on a nightly basis because <laughs> he's now Salt Lake based. Uh-huh. Um, but right, so I mean, he's a. I mean, that's a guy who f- teams have given up on. Sean Livingston, who everybody like, loves to death. Now, if you if you actually fu- like. Oh, he's a non three point shooting mid post playing like like you can't win with that. Like mm-hmm. so to, the, to one level, the brilliance of the Warriors here is their ability to allow guys to be great at what they are. And that is truly what has happened with Julius Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think he's probably flawed, particularly kind of when you get in his mid range game is. Is a little better this year. Some of the that fifteen footer kind of straight away has actually been good. The minute he gets inside that, I don't think he's been good. My did my prep today. I think he's like eight of thirty two or something of that nature. Kind of in that mm-hmm. that short area, but he's good around the rim and he's figured out what he can do and he can play with the ball in his hands and create energy and speed. So I like that. I'm not sure. I think that's a key piece. So I think it has to be D'Angelo unless I'm forgetting a player. I mean Brandon Ingram's going to be great. I mean. Brandon Ingram's really special. I mean, I I think he's a piece, but how he's people many he's many years away. Gordon Hayward came in with a body that was better than Brandon Ingram's and is now two hundred and thirty five pounds in his seventh year of the NBA. Mm -hmm. But that's the path that Brandon Ingram has to take. And honestly, here's the thing we don't know about Brandon Ingram. Gordon Hayward walked into the Utah Jazz practice facility at 7:30 every morning of the offseason this year. Yeah. And put an X on the wall. Huh. Now, does do we we don't know if Brandon Ingram has that. Not because he doesn't have it, just because we don't know.
2: Yeah, it, it it'll be I mean it's impossible to say now because Hayward is in his 7th year. So it'll be interesting. I know Ingram has worked, you know, the Lakers have been pretty impressed with his work ethic to this point. But we don't know what it will look like in year seven because we aren't in year seven.
3: People kind of rolled their and, and eyes when let, I talked me, about – well, go ahead. Let me, jump, let me jump in there because the work ethic we're talking about and the reason we don't know is – so Brandon Ingram right now is working to – because he actually has to survive. Mm-hmm. And then at some point because he's so skilled. I mean when he brings the ball up and makes plays out of the top, up from the top, it's just like, oh, my gosh. He's seven feet tall. Right The game when he There was a game um, Early in the year Where he took it to the To the cop And I was like Oh oh, oh." (laughs) Uh, But he When you So It's one It's one Every rookie works Okay If you have a rookie That's not working And you're an NBA team You're so jacked It's unbelievable Now I mean you're just You're done Like you're screwed Get rid of him immediately Uh, And I can tell you stories about it Like oh my god This guy's partying Instead of working Like we're dead (laughs) <laughs> um. then there's another level of work ethic that honestly a lot of guys don't have and that's the I'm really good and I'm going to get paid a hundred million but that's not enough for me yep, yep. and I, I there's no way to know I mean like come on 95% of the world is an L.A. Laker averaging 15, 6, and 4, dating the hottest movie star around because he's in L.A., or not dating any and just being fawned over by all of them, 98% of the world, maybe 99.9, is not hitting an extra session at the gym at that point.
2: Yeah, I I wouldn't record an extra podcast. (laughs) Right,
3: right. Like, Like, okay, Kobe was crazy. I mean, Kobe's certifiable. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, he's an actual psychopath. The People kind of rolled their eyes because I compared Brandon Ingram's growth and his potential growth to Kawhi Leonard in the sense that, like to the point you made earlier, that the Warriors realize what players are best at and they feature what they're best at as they, you know, if that player decides they want to continue to build around what they're best at, great. Then the player is more than welcome to do that. But the focus, the priority, is whatever that player's best attribute is. And with the Lakers, what Luke has done is they said, okay, the offense still has a little ways to go. Uh, The strength and conditioning, or not conditioning, but just the overall strength has a little ways to go. Just focus on being really good defensively and we'll we'll continue to build everything else around you. And that reminds me of what the Spurs did with Kawhi Leonard, who when he came into the league, couldn't shoot uh, wasn't he still dribbles like a uh, like an NBA you know tutoring like a YouTube video where they, where they tutor you how to dribble with an arm bar? Uh, he still is doing all that stuff, but he developed his defense and he built everything. He he's built everything up around it since. Does that comparison? Does that style of development make sense to you based on what you've seen with the Lakers so far?
3: How close are we?
2: How close are we to?
3: Yeah, like me and you. Are you like?
2: Sensitive or... No, no. I don't, I'm I not don't, sensitive I don't, at all. I don't like it at all. <laughs> okay, why not?
3: Because he's 6'7", 230. No,
2: yeah. Well, I think he's a little tall. Who? Kawhi, Kawhi is as... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Right? I like Giannis.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I meant, I mean, I meant not in terms of the player. I'm, I'm talking about in terms of the... I'm
3: thinking the develop. i think in the skill set. Really? I mean, I think you're putting the ball in Brandon Ingram's hands, and he's bringing the ball up the floor. Mm-hmm. part of the reason I'm a little reluctant on D'Angelo Russell is I actually think you go find a bunch of shoot like Jordan Clarkson types who can really shoot it. Yeah, and they play with Brandon Ingram and and I think Brandon Ingram is got the ball in his and I don't know if he's a three or a four, uh, but I think he has the ball in his hands thirty five forty percent of your possessions when he's twenty one twenty two twenty three years old. Yeah, I think he, I, I think he's, I think the model is what the Bucs did with Giannis. 25 minutes a night, start him at the end of the final 23 games of the year. I think they did. He had no idea what he was doing. He was actually quite awful. Um, and probably Brandon having been with Krzyzewski, is much further ahead. Uh, then the next year, they took the three away from him and kind of made him play inside, if you recall. He, I, I think he stopped taking, I think he took like 33s the whole year. Mm-hmm. Then last year, halfway through, I think by accident, Frankly, a lot of injuries, they unleashed him and just told him to play. And I think that's the Brandon Ingram model, because I think his I'm concerned about his frame. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. not concerned like, oh, my gosh, it's not going to work, but just
2: he's built like Jack Skeleton.
3: Like, right. I mean, he's truly. And for those who have never seen him in person, it's really it's stunning, actually. (laughs) Like, I, I mean, and I actually mean it in this sense. Like, if I walked by him on the street, like on Figueroa or something, I'd be like, wow, that's like a skinny dude. It's not just like he's a skinny dude in an NBA uniform. Like, I mean, metrosexuals can't even find sp- pants that fit Brandon English. <laughs> like, he's like skinny jeans, like, and then there's like a whole nother, alter, he like buys skinny jeans and has to have them altered. Yes. No. So <laughs> he's got to play.
2: He wears socks for pants.
3: Right. And he's got to play at 22 feet unless he has a dramatic body change. That's why I don't like the Kawhi Leonard analogy. Mm -hmm. Because Kawhi Leonard's physically stronger than everybody he plays against.
2: Yes, that's true. And I
3: I think Brandon Ingram's going to be at a strength disadvantage. And by the way, this is a thought on Brandon Ingram as fans for a little patience on Brandon. This is a very interesting comment. That a general manager said to me um, in kind of a casual conversation, and it was like ding 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 ding, if your strength is not at league average for your position, your full complement of skills cannot be displayed
2: that's that makes total sense
3: so Brandon Ingram is three or four years away from being league average strength
2: yes yeah and and he gets he gets knocked off course quite a bit especially offensively defensively he can kind of put everything he has into a possession if he absolutely has to stand his ground but even then he kind of gets bullied around a little bit offensively is when you know he has to take an extra dribble because he gets knocked off course and that extra dribble now lets the defense adjust to him a little bit in three, four years from now, if he is able to, to put together the work ethic that it takes to add that strength, then you're looking at a completely different player who doesn't have to take that extra dribble. So that that'd be fun to to go watch. back to
3: Shelvin Mack, Dante Exum conversation. Mm-hmm. Shelvin Mack is six three. I don't know what he's listed at, but probably is close to two ten. Frankly, he's big boy. Pick and roll defense. He can stick his forearm in on a guy ride him up over on the top of the screen, get bumped by the screen, be fine, stay attached to his guy, probably even maybe push off with his hand a little bit at that point, be strong enough to alter the guy's route and stay on him.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Okay? Right? I mean he's a twenty six year old man. Dante Exum, much more talented, much more athletic, can't do that at all.
2: Yeah. He dies on screens. I've kind of noticed that with Exum. He
3: he can't – he's not strong enough to alter the route, so therefore he gets driven – he doesn't die on the screen. He gets put into the screen (laughs) by the ball handler because he's not strong enough because poor Dante spent the last year having his knee instead of getting his body right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where, you know, Brandon Ingram still – but, I I mean – so actually, as we have this conversation, Brandon Ingram has the – a set of talent – that it makes him special. D'Angelo Russell might be a really good point guard in the league, but I think Brandon Ingram's the guy who's got something special. But the hard thing for the Lakers is that's years away.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's no – it's not like the Jazz where they're competing now and you're hoping that Exum comes along with his own work ethic and is able to – uh help a winning team. Right now the Lakers are just kind of playing with house money with the number of wins they have and as the entire team develops it can kind of happen at its own pace uh without necessarily worrying about the playoffs. The players themselves are already talking about the playoffs, but I don't think the organization is is that concerned with okay, we absolutely have to make the playoffs this year. Everybody please, you know, hasten your development. And that that hasn't happened yet, I don't think.
3: What's the draft pick situation?
2: They're probably gonna lose it to Philadelphia this year.
3: That's painful.
2: Yeah, there will it, it's a top three protected pick, and if the injuries continue to pile up, then maybe they, they miraculously keep the pick, but when everybody gets back healthy again, we're seeing that this looks like it's gonna be a a thirty to thirty five win team, I would imagine. And thirty to thirty five win teams don't ki- don't typically keep top three picks, so that's probably going to Philadelphia.
3: That's too bad. That's too bad. That's 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 going to d- damage the the speed by which that development comes particularly in what's supposed to be a good draft but I think we could stop playing that game after the last few years yep I agree. let me ask you let me take over for a second if I may uh-huh let me ask you big picture what would you say the storylines around the Lakers are sitting here on December 4th 20 games into an NBA season well the storyline is
2: holy cow Luke Walton might be better suited as the president of the united states <laughs> this guy he got nick young to play defense he got lou williams to create for other players he got julius Randle to be efficient so far now if all these things i you know sustainability is is going to be the key word with the lakers i don't know if everything that we've seen so far is actually sustainable because everybody is producing above and beyond their own you know what anybody thought was was possible So we'll see if everything kind of holds true. But if it does, Luke Walton is the coach of the year this year, and and uh, just for in and of itself, just what he's done with Nick Young, he's resuscitated his career. And then uh, from there on, it's all about development. It's all about you know we need to see D'Angelo Russell get back onto a court. He's he's going on missing a couple weeks. Please get healthy, and as soon as he gets healthy, you know it'd be nice to see him continue to develop alongside Julius Randle. And then, uh, in the end, yeah, I mean, not just the, the main core, we've already talked about Ingram and we've already talked about Randall and we've talked about D'Angelo Russell, but they also have guys like Clarkson and Larry Nance jr. They have this kid of Zubots, who's playing fairly well in the D league right now that they, that they drafted with, uh, another first round pick or no, it was a second round pick last year. And the, some people were calling him lottery talent. Um, so it's just about development with these guys. And, and like I said, you know, it's it'd be nice to compete for the playoffs, but the Lakers aren't going to actually, I don't think, compete for the playoffs, and they shouldn't make that a priority. It should just be everybody just get better as the season goes on, uh, because we haven't seen that over the last two years with Byron at the he-
3: at the helm. I went to Zubac's workout in Salt Lake. I liked him. He was he was good in that workout. How have the Lakers been beating people?
2: <laughs> it's so. I have a theory. Basically, the entire roster is, is, is you know, the, the talent is dispersed pretty evenly throughout the roster. So what Luke Walton did was he figured out in the preseason and in the early season, okay, this is my absolute best lineup with Lou Williams, with Brandon Ingram, with Larry Nash, Arthur, it's their bench mob unit. that, And their bench has been better than everybody else's bench. And what he did was, together a starting unit that made sense they're the veterans out there and they kind of said all right just tread water against other NBA starters and then when our bench comes in and our bench is going to be basically as good as the starting unit but our bench is going to feast on other bench units that aren't going to be as good as our starting unit and what that's happened or you know when everybody was healthy the bench would come in with like a you know a five to seven point deficit and they'd roll teams they'd roll other benches and they'd you know they'd go up by seven or eight points and nowadays because D'Angelo Russell is hurt and you go from D'Angelo Russell starting to Jose Calderon starting or now to to Mike by the time everybody's listening to this it's going to be Marcelo Huerta starting and that five to seven point deficit has turned into 11 point deficits and that's tough for any bench to to make up for and they've struggled recently because of that but they've beaten everybody because their bench is just that much better than everybody
3: so I talked about Brandon Ingram a lot Mm -hmm. from someone who hasn't watched him every night to you watching the number two pick every night what has impressed you the most what are your wow moments watching the number two pick every night
2: he's so much better than I thought he was going to be defensively rookies rookies are never good defensively and the Lakers were hoping that maybe he's you know replacement level uh, in terms of defense but he's been better than defensive or a uh, replacement level he went up against Jimmy Butler the other night played 41 minutes to ba- he basically mirrored Jimmy Butler because Butler played 40 minutes Butler's been an MVP candidate this year and Brandon Ingram basically went out and said okay I'll, I'll accept this challenge and he limited Butler to 22 points on I think it was 18 shots and 15 free throws shot when, you know, cause the Lakers were switching a bunch as well. And, and that, I, I did not see that coming and he's been able to do that. He's been able to switch out onto, onto point guards every so often. He's guarding guys as, as low, you know, he's guarded a couple, couple fours, stretch fours. He's been way better than I've advertised on defense. And it's just a matter of when is
3: the offense going to catch up? Is there a signature to a Luke Walton basketball team? It's, it's. They
2: love playing basketball. Like I got I I took a vine the other night uh, at, at the very end a of, the game of <laughs> a vine, a little a little video. They uh basically they they were up three and they're figuring out what they were going to do against the bulls. The bulls were taking their last shot and there's a video now of of Luke Walton. He's talking the guys through what they're going to do defensively and he's laughing. The guys are laughing while he's, you know, he's designing this defense and and it wasn't like the ironic laugh that I would imagine players gave last year when Byron would say just give Kobe the ball and we go out there and everybody just kind of like chuckled and say all right, great. This year he's the the everybody on that team just loves playing and we've had multiple guys say they'd literally run through a wall for for Luke. And I would imagine Luke has told people not to run through walls because they have such injury problems, but they're playing so hard because they really like this guy. They've really bought into him, and and that, you know, it's completely intangible. But, yes, the, the signature is how much these guys like playing again.
3: Awesome. Yeah. They look good. I mean, I wrote down, I was looking at my notes. After every single one of our games, I write a feature called Empty the Noggin, mm-hmm. and I was looking at my Empty the Noggin from game two, and I wrote, if the Lakers don't get beat down by losing, they are going to be a tussle for people every night.
2: Yeah. Yes, and, and to their credit, they've had a couple tough losses. They've had a couple stretches where just the other the talent that they're going up against is better than they are, especially when they deal with the injuries that they have recently. And uh, they, they don't let themselves get down. The four or five game losing stretches that the Lakers went through last year aren't happening uh, this year. You know They'll lose a couple, and you'll kind of think, oh, man, this feels like a schedule loss. And even if they do lose, it comes down to the final possession – they aren't getting blown out very often. I think they've only blown, gotten blown out one time or two times this year. And uh and yeah, they just play hard. They love basketball and they they're, they're they're a fun group to watch. They're good kids too, which is as you've seen with Gordon Hayward is is as important as anything.
3: That gives a good summary of the Lakers, so I'm set on that.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, this was a lot of fun, David. Let's uh Let's do this again soon. Best of luck f- uh, to to the Jazz tomorrow, and best of luck on on your call. And uh, enjoy the uh, enjoy the Los Angeles weather again. I will.
3: And you really need losses, so why don't you give us tomorrow?
2: <laughs> Sounds good to me. That that works for me. It's Marcelo Hurtas is going to start for the Lakers. It's not going to end well. <laughs> All right, awesome, dude. All right, I'll uh, I'll talk to you later. Everybody, make sure you guys check out Locked On NBA. He's had great guests throughout the year. Locked On Jazz is great. The the Jazz are a fun team to watch as well. They're, they're on the precipice of doing something pr- probably pretty special. Uh, so, just, you know, it's fun to be able to listen to David talk about them from, uh, from the
3: get go. And if I plug it, uh, Locked on NBA was with Chris Ballard, who wrote the article on the process. And I don't think anybody else has had an interview with Chris Ballard yet. So uh, maybe he's done something since. But at the time, we were the only ones who got him on the Locked on Podcast Network. So, uh, that's a, it was an interesting interview about who the heck this crazy guy Sam Hinkie is.
2: So I got to ask you this way. Are you more proud of the progress that the Jazz have made this year, or or are you more proud of being able to watch your baby, the Locked On Network, grow the way it has?
3: Uh, I don't have anything to do with how the Jazz play. I try to be helpful to the coaching staff if I can in any capacity. But I think my – Help to them is probably uh, almost non-existent mm-hmm. um, or of no value so I would be much more proud of what the locked on podcast network has done because that's actually something that I might have actually contributed to and had an impact on it
2: you you most definitely has helped uh, you've definitely helped Harrison and I so we're, we're really thankful for that and we'll talk to you soon
3: great thanks I appreciate the great work hope Laker fans realize how uh, excited they are how fortunate they are to have and should be excited and fortunate to have uh, locked on Lakers absolutely alright
2: alright so that was that was David Locke that was a that was a lot of fun Uh, are you kidding me
1: what happened now you told me again you back and we're gonna we're gonna have David Locke on the line I you weren't there you recorded it already? I thought you were there for the whole time and you just didn't feel like talking. I hate you so much.
2: Oh, man. I feel even worse because I said that was my that was my Christmas gift to you.
1: All right. Well, I guess now you got to buy me some
2: Mac Weldon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Crap.
2: All right. Next time, I promise, next time we have a guest. And we might have some pretty good ones lined up. Uh, before we get to that, today's show was brought to you by... Uh, Mac Weldon use the promo code L O Lakers to get twenty percent off on Mac Weldon. You can find our shows on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen, and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Uh, again, that was David Locke of Locked On Lakers. He's the Podfather. Uh, he does great work on his show. He had some really good. He has a uh, he he mentioned it. He plugged his own show with uh, Chris Ballard about Sam Hinkey the interview that he did. That was Sam actually
1: Hinckley. a really good one. You should both read Chris Ballard's piece on Sam Hinkey and then listen to kind of his exit interview of sorts with David. Yes, yes, I, I completely agree. Uh, like I said a second ago, we have some really good guests ahead of us. Should we should we get into specifics? I don't know. I feel like sometimes when we, it, it, like we say who's coming on, we kind of jinx it like we did. And then the interview disappeared. That's true. That's that. That definitely happened. Um, so, should we reveal it? Or are we going to take our chances? I mean, it can't hurt, right? It. All right, you okay, guys. Do ready? You want to say? Do you want to say who's coming yeah, on? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll Wednesday? go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and say it.